All right, let's try this one. Yeah? All right, this is hilarious, actually. Um, Plan A, plan B, plan C. Okay, just remember that. All right, we're going to get back to the plans. All right, so we're taking a little break um, from our series on consecration. Um, As many of you know, we've got this um, sign up here on the cross, and many of us have rededicated and recommitted ourselves to living set apart for the Lord. And if you haven't taken time to fill out a slip and just really prayerfully consider, am I living completely surrendered and set apart to the Lord? Um, This is a season that we're asking the Lord's inviting all of us to consider our posture before him. Is he really king? We're going to take a detour and look at Matthew this morning at a familiar story, but it's actually a beautiful story of consecration. And so um, this is why we're going to spend a time looking at Matthew 1, starting with verse 18. Joseph accepts Jesus as his son. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived of in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. All right, so how many planners, people that like to plan, do we have in the room? Yeah? All right, so I I see a fair number of people. Other people are just like, we'll go along with the flow, right? Um, All right, for you planners, how does it feel when your plans change? Do you start to feel stress? Like, where do you feel it? Does your smile, all of a sudden, you grit your teeth and clamp down? Or do you maybe feel the tension in your neck and shoulders when things start to change and you had a plan and it's not going the way you thought it was going to be? Um, Well, you know, life does cause us to need to be flexible, right? We just looked at plan A and plan B and plan C here with the microphones. (laughs) So, um, but really, as, um, as a planning, as a worship planning team, We plan these services. I don't know if you know this, but Kayleen is the worship coordinator. There's a worship planner. And um, then Pastor Jaleesa oversees the plan. And they are busy talking and praying and thinking about the planning of our order of worship every week. And yet there's this little asterisk on the top of our order of worship that says, Subject to change by the leading of the Holy Spirit. 
And we told the story recently at that conference out on the lake shore about a time when the Lord led us in a different way than we had planned in the worship service. Vic, do you, maybe you remember when you were getting up and you were sharing about the love of God and how if you haven't experienced the love of God and the Holy Spirit was on you that day and you were just prophesying. And then a gentleman stands up that was visiting and had been here a couple of times maybe. And he says, I want what that guy's got. And then right here, Lori, about where you are in that row, Pastor Dave pulls up a chair and gets in front of this guy, and he tells him the story of the gospel and asks him, do you want Jesus? And the guy, without any prompting, takes the microphone away and starts to repent of his sins and say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. Then what do you do when that happens in the middle of the service? And so what did we do? We felt the leading of the Lord to invite people that had scriptures to come around to some people lay hands on and to pray. And the time of the service from our congregational prayer, like we didn't have testimony time back then, but from congregational prayer until it was time to sing our closing song was all watching the Lord do this beautiful work of saving someone right in our midst. Friends, it wasn't on the document. <laughs> and, um, but yet, we were making room for Jesus. And in this story that we look at today of Joseph, it's a story of making room, even when things don't go the way we planned. And so, our plans may not be God's plans. And God's plans sometimes are costly. And Lori, we really, Dane leaned over and goes, what she's sharing really ties in with the passage and the scripture for this morning about taking up your cross and following him. Joseph had his plan A, and his plan A was to be married to Mary. And so in that um, culture, he got busy on his plan and um, was starting to add on because it was a communal culture. And so the, the engaged man would start to build on to his parents' home. And when that home was ready, when that addition was ready, when that room was ready, then there would be a time that he would go and get his bride and bring her back to his parents' homestead. And so he was, you can just imagine how cheerful he was, like he's getting married, he's making the room. And um, in that culture, if you were engaged, it wasn't something that you could just break off. I changed my mind. It was legally binding, and you could only stop that process through a legal um, act like a divorce. You could just imagine how Joseph must have been excited about plan A. And then came the unexpected news in verse 18. It says, before they came together, Mary was found to be pregnant. Joseph must have had so much confusion. Scripture doesn't tell us what all he must have been feeling. But you can just imagine as a human, and you're engaged to somebody, and suddenly they're found to be pregnant. And he knows that it's not him because they haven't been together And so disappointment, pain, rejection, how can this be? This is not my child. The engagement, as I said, was so serious that it would take a legal divorce 
to um, cause a separation and to break that. Adultery at that is um, a capital crime in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 22, 23 to 24. It's punishable by death, by stoning. And so adultery, and this was considered adultery already, even though she wasn't living with him yet, they were betrothed. And so this was an adulterous situation, not fornication. At least that's what it appeared to be. Joseph loved God. And so he desired righteousness and to exercise justice by holding Mary accountable. But Joseph loved Mary, and he didn't want to subject her to public disgrace and stoning, and so Joseph was merciful. And Joseph likely wanted to maintain his own righteousness and his family's honor and to clear his name. And so what is he going to do? And he's giving careful thought. He's giving careful thought to his ways. And so his plan B was he was going to divorce her quietly. He would divorce her, never bring her home, never welcome that child that was not his. Nope. He made up his mind, and he was going to go on somehow with his life. Joseph just saw two options, plan A and plan B. But God gave him a way forward. How many of you know God's plans are always better and always higher than our plans? Isaiah 55, 9 says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And so God's plan was for Joseph to make room for Jesus. Verse 20 says that God sent an angel, which was the messenger, in a dream to Joseph. And he said, take her home to be your wife in verse 20. Don't be afraid. Do not divorce her. This pregnancy is of God. Mary's baby was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And you notice how God references scripture to help us understand and to help Joseph test what the angel told him. He referenced Joseph reminding him that he's from the line of David. And remember, David was the line where there would always be someone that would be on the throne as king. He also referenced Isaiah and quoted from Isaiah 7.14. Isaiah the prophet prophesied about a virgin conceiving and giving birth to a son. So he was helping Joseph to discern Like, this is me, this is of me, this is of the Holy Spirit. I've sent a prophet long ago to speak of this. And so that's the way that Joseph could test it. Actually, Matthew quotes the Old Testament passages 47 times. And pretty much most of them are about messianic promises. So the child will be a son, and he says, you are to name him Jesus. Now, it was common for either the mother or the father at that time to name the child. But God is telling Joseph, who's not the parent, that he's to name the child. Joseph, I want you to parent this child by naming him, but give him the name that I've chosen for him. And that name is Jesus. Friends, this is really interesting. Jesus is the Greek form of the name Joshua which means the Lord saves. I was thinking about that. 
that would be like us as American um, giving our child a Swahili name. Like, think about this. And I think it's just a, a little hint, if we can see it, of how the Lord had a global picture. Like, it, he wasn't coming just for the Jews. He was coming for the Gentiles, too. This baby boy will save his people. And that, too, hints, like, a king has people. A king has subjects. And what would Jesus' mission be? He will save his people from their sins. This is what we, the world needed because we're broken and apart from the Lord. And the child will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, God had a plan, and his plans require trust and consecration. And I want to just kind of show you this in the um, story that we're looking at. Making room for Jesus requires trusting God because in Luke, we read where Mary, with her beautiful words, shows that she trusts God. She says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then Joseph's very actions demonstrate trust because as soon as he woke up from the dream, he obeyed the Lord and went to take Mary home as his wife. Joseph trusted God to direct his life. Three times in Matthew chapter 1 and 2, there's an angel that's sent to direct um, Joseph. Take Mary as your wife. Okay, now take her and move internationally and go to Egypt because this child is in danger. All right, the danger is gone. Move internationally and go back to Israel. And so three times the Lord directed Joseph, and Joseph trusted the Lord's guidance and obeyed each time. You think about that, moving internationally, it's a big deal now, isn't it? What was it like then to move internationally? What transportation mode? You're not getting an airplane, even if they're canceled on this weekend. Um, Actually, you're taking a camel probably and whatever belongings you have. So it was not an easy thing for um, Joseph to obey, but he trusted the Lord and let him direct the course of his life. And God gave Mary and Joseph divine grace to say yes to God's life plan for them. Making room for Jesus requires consecration, living set apart. And I want to point this out. Think about Joseph and how he had to consecrate his reputation. Because in this culture, they all knew what was going on, and yet he had to say, I'm going to obey the Lord. I'm going to trust that what is in Mary is of God, and I'm going to bring her home to live with me. Not only did Joseph and Mary live with the stigma of this pregnancy for anybody that was skeptical, and let's face it, like it would be like you'd really have to believe that God did a miracle, right? Um, Their families were impacted. And they'd either have to stand with Joseph and Mary or against. So Joseph and Mary had to trust their reputation to the Lord. Joseph consecrates his sexuality and desires. Last week there was a whole sermon about consecrating our sexuality to the Lord. Joseph longed to bring Mary home. And when he did, they didn't have sex until after the baby came. Think about that. 
he was consecrating himself to honor the holiness of Jesus. He also consecrated, set apart himself by adding the responsibility. Joseph's plan A probably didn't include becoming the legal parent of a child that he didn't produce. And yet that's exactly what he did. When he named the child, he was acknowledging that by God's will and act, this boy was authentically his legal son, while he was physically Mary's son, and fundamentally God's son. Joseph also added the responsibility of protecting Jesus from danger and from death. And so he consecrated his life. He lived set apart with Jesus at the center of it. God's plan also brought tremendous blessing. Joseph chosen for great purpose. He had the privilege, just like we had the privilege, of watching somebody be born into the kingdom of God right here. He had the privilege of watching the Messiah come into the world. He made room for Jesus and to watch how the Lord was going to bring Jesus who would save his people from their sins. And then think about this. He got to father Emmanuel. He got to cuddle him. He got to play with Emmanuel. He got to comfort Emmanuel. What an honor. What a blessing that must have been. What a joy it must have been. And so there's the trusting and the consecration, but there's tremendous blessings. And I want to say we've looked at this story and Joseph's plan A and plan B and then God's plan, which was higher and greater than anything that any of us could have ever thought up. And I want to ask, what does this mean for us? What does this story mean for us today? And I think one thing is don't let any of us get stuck on plan A when our life is just going along quite well in the way we thought it was going to. And don't let any of us get stuck on plan B when all of a sudden things go crazy and are hard and confusing in life. I think the Lord would tell us, look to me and look to my plan. Don't look at your plan A or your plan B, but actually submit them and look for my plan in every situation, seeking him, listening to his guidance. And I think even some of the testimonies about looking for God's plan in your family gatherings and interceding for those. Katie, I just really appreciated what you shared. Look for my plan. Intercede for your family members, Nick, what you shared. And like, okay, Lord, this isn't, this certainly isn't any of our plan A of what's going on in our family. But God, what is your plan? And even listening, Carolyn, to what you shared about your little grandchildren. And like, that God would be using this opportunity to pour truth into their little lives that they would testify to the older ones. Making room and saying yes to Jesus in every area of our lives. We want to do this as a church family. We want to um, be open to the ways that the Holy Spirit might do something unexpected in our midst as part of God's plan, as part of him maybe even testing us to say, am I really king 
am I really, Lord? Am I welcome to do anything that I want to with your church? We saw this with the regathering and the discipleship groups, right? That wasn't our plan A. Our plan A would have been we're gathering Sunday morning. We're resuming corporate worship. But the Lord's leading at that time was do discipleship groups. We had a Sunday a few, well, now it's been a couple months back, where there was no pastor. We've got three pastors on staff in this church, and there was no pastor on a Sunday. And we looked at, like, well, that was our plan A, was to have a pastor preach. And then we went through multiple plan Bs of what we could do, have a red sermon or call in pulpit supply. But it seemed like the Lord was saying, I've put scripture, I've put testimonies in the congregation members Invite testimonies, invite scripture. And it was such a rich service. We weren't here, but we listened online and were blessed. And for those of you that were here, you said it was such a blessing. And so then it was like, okay, how do we make room? All this richness, all this encouragement one to another is here every Sunday. How do we make room for this? And so that's why we've been doing the testimony time, is to make room for Jesus. I want to say whoever um, God invited, like he invited Joseph to think about bringing not just Mary, but Jesus into his family right away. Who is God asking us to care for individually and as a church? And will we make room and will we accommodate and we'll be prayerfully saying yes to what the Lord's asking us to do? And then that we would just support each other Maybe the Lord's going to unexpectedly do something in this next year even among one of our members or some of our members. And just like Joseph's community was impacted, we want to be supportive and say yes to whatever God might be doing in each one of our members. Because what happens to one of us affects all of us in some ways because we're interdependent, right? We're a family. We're a church family. We want to say yes to Jesus as individuals as well, not just corporately. And a very personal question that I want to ask, and I want the attention of every person, because this, have you made room personally for Jesus? Have you been born again? Have you said you're my, not just, I don't give just mental assent, but I've invited him into my life. And if you haven't, Maybe you've just had a church rhythm, but do you have a relationship? Today can be that day that you say yes and make room for Jesus. One closing thought. I thought about all this talk about making room for Jesus, and I thought, you know, we can just be so self-centered. Like, this whole idea actually seems kind of ridiculous. (laughs) He's the king of kings and the lord of lords, and we're talking about whether this inconveniences us or not. And yet... It's true. We do need to make plans, and he understands he's made us human. But yet, there's this posture of our heart. Are we really totally centering our lives around him? Just like in the book of Revelation, and Jesus is in the center on the throne, and everything is focused on the Lord. Are we that focused on him? And then to think about that he made room for us that he inconvenienced himself to leave heaven and to come to earth. He left his place of privilege to become a servant. He left things that were totally in order to come into our brokenness and disorder. And he did it 
because of a heart to want to make room and to bring back those into his family and into his his kingdom. And we marvel at that. We marvel that he, Jesus, would entrust himself to his father's care and to a young woman that knew nothing about mothering and to a young man whose first thought was to send him and his mother away. And Jesus made room and trusted and consecrated himself for his father's purposes. And friends, we, this is such good news that he has come and that he loved us. And we pray that as we share that news, that every heart will prepare him room because joy to the world. Our Lord has come. Amen.